Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I am doing all right. You just, uh, I signed in and my whole like microphone just collapsed off the desk. And uh, so so I quickly got everything back together. I think we're, I think we're good to go at this point. Okay, good. good. Yeah, it definitely feels like one of those days. (laughs) My God. My students started, I teach seventh grade, and my students started another round of uh, standardized tests today. Oh. So it's been a very long day of just uh-huh. like, sitting and waiting and telling them, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> but now I'm home, and now I get to talk to you. So now I'm really okay. excited. Uh, so thank you so much for agreeing to hang out today on TPQ20. We always yeah. like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to give the bio that is not on the back of Salt Body Shimmer, uh, who would you say you are? Uh, a pensive, moody artist who can't choose a genre because genre is a scam, but I like poems a lot. Um, I also like really good whiskey. Yeah. Oh, we have a lot to talk about then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just out here trying to be a citizen in the world and figure it out, you know? So, all right, we'll start with the, uh, we'll start with the, what kind of whiskey do you enjoy when you are sitting down to write? Mm, either a Woodford Reserve bourbon. All right. Although I do like Elijah Craig's small batch. There you go. Yeah. I really, High West is, has been like the, the go-to for a long time. Their double rye is just, is really Oh yeah. Good. It makes a really good cocktail too. Oh, absolutely. Ah, uh, it's been a minute now. Huh. <laughs> I had to put that all back on the list. <laughs> <Right>? So, um, <laughs> Genre is a scam. Mm. <laughs> oh, let's just let's just start there. Um, because I've asked a lot, I've talked to a lot of poets who definitely uh, you know, either dip their toe in or just jump, you know, full body into another genre. Um, you know, and it's it always seems like there is a separation between those pieces. Like I I'm a huge Donnie Rose fan. Mm-hmm. Um but even and talking to him, we talked about this a little bit in the way that, you know, yes, you can put poetry into larger pieces, mm-hmm. but you can't put the larger pieces all the time mm. into the poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if genre is a scam, then <laughs> where where is the line for you uh, when it comes to poetry versus X, Y and Z? I mean, every, well, first, it should be clear to people that genres are there to sell the objects to their perspective (laughs) places, right? And then we all sign up and we say, oh, I like rock, but I don't like punk rock. I like (laughs) this, but I don't really like this, but like not lo-fi. And I'm like, it's music? Everybody calm down. Um, So I think for me, and what I love so much about poetry is I feel like it has the largest toolbox Mm -hmm. 
mm. out of the others. Unlike fiction, um, you know, there are a set of things that you can do with driving plot and character development and all of that, but poetry just has a lot of tools and it's been around for a really, really, really long time. And so I think I'm just always looking for like another set of tools to communicate what I'd like to do in the poem, but the page does has it has is limitations, you know? Right. So it's interesting that you said that like previously in this conversation um, or a conversation similar to this, that you were saying that like you can't take the big parts of the other things and put them into the poem. And it's funny when people ask me the question of, uh, you know, who are all the poets that, you know, influenced your work, even if they're non-poets. Right. And I'm like, well, Barry Jenkins is a lyric poet on film, you know, um, Michelle Nadeghi-Ocello or mm. Alex Coltrane are absolutely poets, you know, and so. Those are some baselines. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so if I'm playing in this landscape of language, you know, there's all kinds of other languages that we're trying to communicate in the language that we share in these words back and forth, but there's body language, there's historical language and context. And again, language is expansive, but language has its limitations. And so I try to figure out, you know, if I can't get it out on the page then, but it wants to get out somewhere. So where does it want to go? So well, and, well, I guess, and I have to ask, since you, you kind of said, if it can't get out on the page, what are your genres beyond the page? Um, I dabble in photography. Okay. I've made just as like class assignments, <laughs> but, uh, except for one, but like sometimes I'll make little short, what I call lyric films. They're usually like no more than like a minute and 20 seconds. They're very okay. short um, because I like editing, which makes sense because I like revising. And so <laughs> <laughs> that whole um, sort of ability to collage and edit and like change a different viewpoint in a way that I would not been able to do outside of the way I was entering it on the page is always right. very interesting. Um, and then most recently, as of late, I've been in the letterpress studio making either broadsides or oh, other so pieces cool. of ephemera and learning how to crank that out <sighs> on an old Vanderbilt. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really, it's been a lot of fun and it's really tedious and it takes patience <laughs> and yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, but the, uh, the, just the after is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so cool. much fun. It's so fun. I like that. Um, all right, so we've known each other a little bit uh, over the last few years, um, and definitely in your capacity as publicist over at Haymarket. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's what I really like about even just the start of our conversation is Haymarket just seems like the right home for you. Oh um, yeah. It's I mean what a what a great what a great place for someone who does believe that genre is a scam and who you know who wants to really live in all of these spaces to to kind of make your voice known and change you know in affect change. Mm -hmm. Um and I I like that a lot and Haymarket is 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 definitely a press that I've had a lot of respect for for a very very long time. Um yeah. and and I the work that comes out of there it's one of the few it's funny I I read mostly poetry, obviously, in this world, and and then what my seventh graders are reading. But Haymarket is one of those one of those places where I just like the books 
that mm-hmm. come from Haymarket. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, we uh, work hard to, you know, merge that it it has to meet a political intervention. Yeah, um, but the work also has to do whatever the work is doing, and right. so. You know, we've got Quentin Ballas' book out right now, which is mostly a book-length erasure project. Um, and as an art object, it's fabulous. But when you read the work, it's just so smart and it's deft and it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's what I, I've talked to a few publicists, uh, just a few publicists, which is weird because it's something that I really, like, I have a lot of interest in. Um, as a publicist in your role, what are you what are you looking for when you look to work with an artist and an author what do you look for in that role for kind of that type of relationship like what's what is your what would be kind of your you know your magic moment um I think it's a combination of a couple of things uh I I joke with a director of the publicity department all the time where like I'm asking a question because this was not my professional background prior to coming (laughs) into Haymarket as so much as it wasn't on a CV or a resume but I had been a poetry evangelist for over 18 (laughs) years and had organized you know international festivals when I was doing performance work and doing slam and um, so a lot of that just sort of came naturally, but our, our running joke is when we come against something that may be a challenge to work out, okay, is this a question that the answer is it art or is it science? Mm. Um, and so I think what helps in terms of like that guiding star is that Haymarket is an author-centered press. And so um, the work that I do with a Cheryl Boyce Taylor in terms of the vision for how she wants her book out in the world is not going to be the same as a joint project between Jose Olivares and Antonio Salazar, right? Mm. Um, And so for me, I'm like, you know, there's plenty of things in the toolbox (laughs) (laughs) I can use, but because we are very intentional um, in the mission about continuing to deepen and build relationships within our communities. And I wanna know how is your community going to be able to support this book and make a plan so that you can continue to fortify those relationships within your community, or you can deepen the ones that you haven't had the opportunity to collaborate with, so. I like that. Is there a, is there a, a favorite piece that you've done? Like, is there a, is there kind of that, that one you look back on and, and, and hold higher than everything else for, for a book? Uh, I don't know if higher, but it was pretty cool. My first six months working at Haymarket, one of my books was Mama Fife Represents uh, with Cheryl Boyce Taylor, who, you know, long time, Brio, OG, sage, wise one. <laughs> uh, this pretty, this really beautiful book that was tribute to, you know, her late son, Fife. And so that tenderness and sensitivity around that. And then also it's Fife. This is hip hop legacy. Hip hop doesn't get a lot bigger than that. Yeah. And so it was really cool. I was like of all the, you know, you are always grateful for the hits, whether they're in the times or um, whether they're in, you know, those sort of larger publications, Paris Review or London Review of Books or things like that. But it was kind of dope to have a poet be in Rolling Stone. So that was cool. (laughs) That's really awesome. That is really cool. All right, so to take a trip kind of back to memory lane here, um, let's talk about how you were, in, you know, not your influences as far as who you were reading, but when was that moment where picking up the pen uh, became something that was fun to you? 
So how, uh, how old were you when you kind of started realizing that, you know, writing wasn't just something your teacher told you to do? It's always such a tricky question for me. I remember I was a very, very serious child. <laughs> um, and so, you know, my mom had this, like, I don't even know what model it was. She was a typewriter from the 90s. Right. And I was obsessed because, I mean, it wasn't a computer, but it would like make it go faster. And so I had to write this paper. I couldn't have been like more than in the fifth or sixth grade. I don't even remember what the topic was, but it was like very deeply philosophical and just, like, <laughs> just doing the most. <laughs> right. But I remember um, very pensively and seriously uh, sitting at a park across the street from our house one day and thinking about why it felt different that time than it did the other times that I would like write things, even if it was for myself. Um, Cause before it felt like a little secret and then like something about the sort of like official nature of it being typed out on this paper in ink that is permanent <laughs> felt like this huge valiant thing to hold <laughs> that I didn't know where it came from. And so I think that sort of like burned in the back of my head for a really, really long time. Mostly I would, I would keep all of that stuff to, to myself. Nobody Nobody knew that I was like writing little poems and, you know, what I thought were little songs. And yeah, I was hiding those things. <laughs> I love that. I just, I, I talked with uh, Sabrina Benham uh, the other day mm -hmm. um, about kind of the secret poem, like the secret poetry that we all did until we felt somewhat comfortable mm -hmm. uh, even sharing it with, you know, our stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's fascinating because I mean, you know, I, I'm 40, almost 42. And so like I, and I've taught for 20 years. So I've kind of watched the different eras of like the Tumblr eras and things like mm -hmm. that. And I've seen my, you know, how dedicated my students are to that. Do you still have those old pieces tucked away somewhere? Uh, and, and is there a, is there a website out there that, that you've <laughs> forgotten about? Um, like I know Joshua Bennett was talking about how he used to load up uh, things on uh, poetry.com back in the day before it became Poetry uh, Daily. Um, and we've had a lot of different, like a lot of different random sites, but is there, yeah. is there an Erica Foreman <coughs> website out there that, that you've maybe forgotten about that? Uh... You know, I was real thorough. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I feel like up until like, um, cause I was like doing some work on my website and I think I had that same question. I was curious. I think my Tumblr is still out there, but I don't remember if I posted any poetry there. I think it was more like me trying to figure out my like visual curation thing that I was trying to do and then ended up doing at the offing, which was funny. Um, but I think I had like a live journal out there where like ah there's one that uh, there's one that has not come up yet live journal I forgot live, about live journal, journal was I feel like between 2006 and 2009 like if you were doing National Poetry Month or you just wanted to follow like I would follow Rachel McKibbins and I would like yeah. follow all the folks that were just like yeah boom here's a banger today and I was just like, <laughs> oh maybe I'll get into this too so. There might be some some remnants There's out a, there. A blog that. spot, a, a blog Maybe. spot site out there somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> oh oh man, you're so fearless. <laughs> <laughs>
so as we as we kind of start shifting toward the end here um i'm going to ask this in two different ways because because you're a publicist and i have to know both of these Mm -hmm. um what books from haymarket are you like are coming out of the pipeline that you're just super super excited about um and then we'll get to the other question i mean this is not like me trying to be a publicist in this book. no i know you're geeking out about these so i because like i just i just want y'all to listen to this catalog okay in january we re-released black women writers at work this is a seminal text to me as a black woman scholar writer and every brilliant black woman that i know so that was the first book to kick off the year okay february we dropped an anthology on reproductive justice talking about um, pregnancy and loss um, that was edited by Aracelis Germay. It is a gorgeous collection of stories and clearly one that we need right now. Um, <laughs> April, I got Ballast, Quentin Baker, and Poor Siempre by Jose Olivares. Oh my God. Uh, forthcoming in June, I have Remedies for Disappearing by Alexa Patrick, who is just like blowing things up in DC and beyond. And then in July, I have Brian Janae's Because You Were Mine that's going to be dropping in the summer. And that's just this spring. So like the fall is bananas. We just had a poet, Erica Hughes, who I'm super excited. We're going to be publishing her book in 2024 um yeah I don't I know how we get this lucky but I also am just like super grateful to be in community with these like incredible thinkers and these incredible artists who are also just really good human beings so it's amazing yeah amazing it's wild <laughs> it's kind of wild it, it's it's really cool like I don't know I I guess I can I, Luckily, this episode will be far enough in advance. This will this will already be, you know, over and done with. But obviously, like, you know, as I step away from the poetry question, um, you know, this baby that I built like 15 years ago yeah. out of like as an education site. Yeah. Um, like it's it it's really nice to one of the reasons that I am stepping away is because you get to the point like where I, I'd like to read for fun. Um, and I really like I miss uh, I'm I'm kind of at that point where like I, I just miss sitting down with a with a poetry collection mm-hmm. um, and not having to worry about what reviewer am I sending this off to or like am I going to do something with this and and I I love the fact that now I get to just sit down and and like read books and enjoy enjoy that side of things again um, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely looking forward to to those ones from Haymarket that's really it's really exciting to me it's uh, I mean and then yeah like it is really it's really cool being able to publish books from people who you think are really making a difference in the world mm-hmm, absolutely. like that's like that's been really like ar uh ar Salandi, um when it was uh, he's now ar arthur mm-hmm. but you know we put out half bread um earlier last year and like it's a truly a, a like a book that we thought was needed to be heard Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I love that, that idea that you, you know, you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books coming through like Haymarket, mm-hmm. uh, probably a month. And, and it's amazing to think that you get to kind of curate what you think people should hear and the voices that should be on shelves and should be more than that. You know, you guys, and you guys push not only wonderful words, but policy change as well. And, 
and that's you know that's such a remarkable feat for a you know for what was just a little independent press mm -hmm. you know a, a decade and change ago yeah i mean it's you know obviously to like the folks who have come before and um looking at and i'll, I'll, I'll resist a, a little bit about the curation because i think often we'll read the work <clears throat> we'll discuss it you know in very much the socialist that we are <laughs> we discuss it as a group you know we vote on it as a group and then we ask each other the tough questions of like if this book is coming through and the craft is there. It's incredible, it's moving. This is a book that I would enjoy to see out in the world. Um, and also when I talked about earlier about that political intervention, like what is the question? Does it, is it answering into a question that has not been asked yet? Mm. Or is it providing a space where maybe this will get us closer to the question that will impact the most change is how I think about it. I like that a lot, okay. And then also too, like, you know, we, we would love to take every book, of course, <laughs> but because we believe in stewardship and as an editorial board, we believe in stewardship yeah. and we believe in advocacy. And so if it's like, it might not be a political intervention fit for Haymarket, right. but like, we want to see this book out in the world. So who can we email? Who are some homies that are at some other indie presses that might be yep. looking for the book and they would be able to like actually take care of it in the way that it needs to be taken care of. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what uh what are you reading on your own right now mm. outside of work that you're excited about? I am returning back to June Jordan's Haruku Love Poems. All right. Um I am returning to Renee Gladman's Calamities. She's one it's probably I've just said it in a very you know short and maybe crass way to the point about genre is a scam but you know she never she's like you know very much engaging thresholds and whatever that threshold whether it's fiction whether it's auto fiction whether it's memoir whether it's prose and it's doing some craft work whether it's poetry she's just like I'm just engaging the thresholds and I'm like yeah that's that's the language that I like okay all right um, so I've been reading those two, and then I am rereading Gene Toomer's Kane. Oh, see, we could talk. That's a book that we could we could chat about for a long. We could have a whole hour long conversation about the 1920s and Gene Toomer's effect on the entire yeah. literary world. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say this because I, I don't get to say it. I don't think I've gotten to say this to somebody in, in like a decade. Uh, Gene Toomer's book the idea that Kane is written in three different perspectives, like three different mm -hmm. point of view, like the idea that it starts as this very personal piece and you watch it go to eventually this play form um, mm -hmm. is just, ah, the, the, the ability to show how a character can be so stripped outside of society mm -hmm. is such a, oh, what a beautiful beautiful book oh man it is wonderful it is strange it's oh. it's robust it's yeah oh my gosh that's i i love that i don't i don't know one other person in the last 20 years who has who has read that book that's amazing well, be on the lookout from Third Thing Press because I am reading this for pleasure, but I am also reading this um, as I work on some activations and conversation with this book and it's going to come oh, out. that's so cool. 
Yeah. So there's about 20 of us who are reading Gene Tumor's Cane right now. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's really that, that I've got like genuinely like got goosebumps and chills. That's great. That. Um, what a good spot to, uh, to kind of close things out on. Thank you so much for hopping on with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great rest yeah. of the evening. All right. You too, love. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.